Hi everyone, this is Irina at growandlearn.org. I have the pleasure to have Mark Azoulay with me. Mark is a psychotherapist in Boulder, Colorado, and he has a, he's helping teams in a very interesting way, in a, in a psychotherapy kind of way. He's uh, not simply doing organizational development in the traditional way, but he's bringing the interpretation of family dynamics into workplaces. So he's actually uh, analyzing the uh, individual's uh, baggage from their family dynamics and seeing how this impacts uh, work relationships. So I'm very pleased to have you, Mark. Really happy to be here. <laughs> um, so uh, I know that you're also, um, you have started a few nonprofits and uh, these are in the health and mental, mental health and educational space. Uh, so what what drew you or what made you start up these uh, nonprofit companies and how are they related to the work you're providing um, to corporations? Yeah, for sure. That's a great question. Uh, most of them I started were educational, helping therapists become better. I found that, you know, I'm a therapist in private practice, which means the impact I make is pretty small. I mean, my caseload is about 30 people. I run a couple groups that have six people and that's considered full, if not, you know, kind of on the heavier side of full. But I wanted to bring more of that education to more people and have greater impact. So I wanted to create nonprofits that educate people. I wanted to help leaders, help entrepreneurs, help startup founders, help managers to get these skills and take them out of what is, you know, frankly, an ivory tower of psychology and disperse it um, more into the world. So people are armed with the skills and the you know, knowledge that they need to be better leaders. Right. Everybody out there has had a bad boss. Right. And mm -hmm. a bad boss can ruin your life. So my whole thing is like, if I can make bosses better, it will really trickle down and help make companies and corporations better. Mm -hmm. So so could it be that the, that the boss was not necessarily bad, but the way you perceived the boss was bad because of your own family dynamics? It could be not necessarily the leader, but also the the follower. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. In both ways, right? Yeah. Right. I think that's, that's a lot what I talk about is that our family dynamics get overlaid on top of any small group. And what analysis describes as a small group is five people, which is kind of a typical team. So once you get five people together, all of a sudden you're not interacting with them. You're acting with your mother, your father, your siblings, right? All that dynamic is gonna come out and it's going to be moving towards authority. So if you're a leader, you're gonna get a lot of people's parental issues. If you are the leader, you're going to be projecting maybe some of your sibling issues onto them. And it gets really messy really fast. Wow. Do you, have you always observed this in all kinds of teams, no matter how great the policies are in a company? Do you always observe that? It happens with every single person. Of course, policies and structure can do a lot to mitigate it, mm -hmm. right? But the idea is that we're not robots, we're humans. So yeah. even if you have a policy and you have a team, there's no way the leader is going to be treating every single person identically, right? That's impossible. There's always going to be a favorite. There's always going to be the one that they're annoyed by. There's always going to be the one they're like maybe a little bit attracted to. You know, all these things are going to come into play. And by taking the psychology lens, we can understand where that comes from and help leaders become free of those influences. So they can actually try to be more objective and try to be more fair, right? Try to be more equitable. Mm -hmm. And so what exactly do you do when you go in a, in a team? How do you interact with them or how do you train them to recognize these patterns? Yeah, there's a couple steps in the process. The first is I go straight to the top, right? Go to the C-suite people, go to the manager, go to the team leader, right? Go to the CEO if possible. I need to get buy-in from them because if I don't get buy-in from them, everything is going to crumble. 
So I usually work with them individually for, you know, three to five sessions. And what I'm doing is collecting information about them, but I'm really judging their ability to take feedback, right? I'm seeing, okay, are they open about their childhood? Can they tell me about a mistake that they made? Are they aware? Do, are they able to have what's called metacognition, which means, you know, thinking about thinking, right? Are they able to see the pattern and not take it personally? If a leader is able to do that, then the company has hope. If the leader is very defensive or willfully ignorant um, or unable to take these things in or doesn't buy in, then, you know, the process kind of ends right there. Um, mm -hmm. Luckily, you, I work, oh, good. Uh, are, you, are you able in some cases to turn the leaders around or the way they think, or, is, or do you believe that it's a very long process and kind of impossible because it's inherent? I can usually get them to open up, mm -hmm. but they, typically the ones that are more successful have had some kind of personal work in the past. Right. So maybe they've worked with a coach before, maybe they've had a spiritual or religious practice where they have introspection, you know, maybe they've been to therapy before. Um, I have a benefit because there's a lot of tech startups in Boulder, Colorado, and it tends to be people that I think are a little bit younger, a little bit more open to this, um, people that understand the dynamics. And when I, when I have some examples that I rattle off, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm definitely that person. You know, yeah. I, I really do favor women over men, right? Because I'm attracted to them, right? Yeah. Or yeah, like older men, like I pushed them away because I really didn't respect my dad growing up. You know, if I can find a little pattern that are very common and they can connect to it, then there's some hope. Then there's some chance for them to do the, do the work. Right. And, and do you see a change immediately after they recognize it? Because some people recognize a pattern and then they stop there. They don't really work on it. Or maybe they recognize it for a bit and then they re retract back to their previous uh, way of per per perceiving the world. Yeah, that's very common. So what often happens in analysis is called catharsis, which means a big emotion. Right. Mm -hmm. So say, oh, my God, it's just like my dad. And they cry or they, you know, have a feeling. And that's okay. the first important part, because those emotions burst forward. Then kind of what you were alluding to before, then we have to institute policy. We have to look at structure. We have to create systems that they can start to counteract what their natural tendency will be. The idea is that you have to retrain your unconscious. You have to retrain your brain to you know, be more communicative or be more transparent, or, you know, maybe you're afraid of your boss. So you have to set up systems to be like, okay, I'm going to check in with them no matter what, even though I'm afraid. So I really work on some of that, um, you know, nuts and bolts stuff as well to be like, okay, here's how we start to over, how overcome these patterns, knowing that your default is to go back, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's work on creating a new system and over time it will become natural. Mm -hmm. Can you share um, uh, a story that you've recently or at any point had that was uh, that you can share you know in a in a anonymous way of course <laughs> um that showed the the impact of this approach absolutely i can tell i can do a case study that's a combination of a few clients not to you know betray any of them but right. something that is quite common for high performers so you have a client um who grew up in a difficult childhood right you know, oftentimes their parents were alcoholics or maybe they were mentally ill. Their home was not very safe. We're not talking about, you know, quote, serious abuse, right? They weren't getting hit or, you know, sexually assaulted or anything, but it was just kind of a neglectful, not very rewarding school. I mean, sorry, uh, home, right? What right. the person does is they throw everything into school. And this is really common for high performers is that they throw everything into school because in school they're getting loved, they're getting accepted, they're getting validated, you know, they have friends and they excel. 
right? They excel, they move forward, they do great in college, maybe they go to grad school, they start a company or get a good job. But then they've been trained that performance equals love, that if they're not performing, they're not worthy of love. And many people will live in this way for until about their 30s, <laughs> until they realize that they're not getting those kudos anymore. Right. And they come to me as a therapist and they're like, oh, you know, I'm 35. I've checked all the boxes. I have the job. I have the car. You know, I have the nice house, but I don't have any friends. I don't have a partner and I'm miserable. What's going on? And many of these people we come to kind of fast forward, they come to this idea where they create, they use their team or in many cases, their company to create that family that they never had to create a place where they can feel love, they can feel admiration, they can feel acceptance, they can feel belonging, they can feel important. But I'd be curious what you, what you think about this, but from my approach, that's actually not appropriate for the workplace. Mm-hmm. You actually can't get love in that way in the workplace. And with the boss constantly seeking love and attention, what happens to that person is they often come to the pleasing behavior, they feel drained by the end of the day, they feel like they're fake, that they're acting, um, they have trouble saying no to things because they just want everyone to like them and love them and care about them and they end up burning out. Yeah. So in the work that I do, I help to make them aware of that to go through the long psychological but very powerful process of grieving the childhood and then building love into their real life, right? Getting out and dating somebody, which for them is like, you might have met these people who are very confident, you know, in the boardroom. But when it comes to being on a dating app, right, or meeting someone new, they just shrink because yeah. they're, they have no training in this. So mm-hmm. the idea is, you know, helping them find love, create belonging, create family. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I've spoken to quite a few um, high organization, high people in an organization. And when you when you come to a personal conversation, they are uh, much more sensitive and willing to share than people would not would normally so they open up much faster it's like they need somebody to talk to they need somebody to understand them and uh, yeah it's true that on the surface they they seem like uh, or they are constantly uh, seeking approval and people perceive them as ego driven but this is what they are in the end seeking approval and seeking love yeah that's right yeah and it comes from that wounding from the family Mm-hmm. And you can see how they project that onto their workplace, which over time can become quite toxic because it's not the employee's job to love their boss. Right. You know? Yeah. Okay, great. Perfect. So, so um, how can people find you if they need your help in organizational development or personal um, psychotherapy? Yeah, the best way is to go to my website. Uh, which is mark-azule.com and everything is there. I have all my links to my social media. I do videos with a couple colleagues every week. I have blogs, book recommendations. It's kind of the hub for everything that I do. Great. So we'll be having you for the uh, the upcoming online summit, uh, the new game of leadership in February 21. And um, But we'll be coming with more information on the webinar. But thank you so much for also agreeing to join. It's going to be great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the quick chat.